Let's turn to the book of Micah, chapter 4. Micah is uh, kind of tucked away toward the back of the Old Testament. As you make your way there, let me, let me say that um, <clears throat> you know, we're, we've come out of a se- the season of Advent uh, where we are uh, anxiously uh, like focused, anxiously awaiting and focused on the return of the Lord. Uh, we went from Advent into Christmas and those, those kind of build together. And uh, I don't know how your experience in Advent was this time uh, around. For me, uh, Advent had really high highs and really low lows. Um, I felt like the things that God put in front of us to do during Advent were so rich. You know, the, uh, whether it was the, the devotional, whether it was Sunday, Sunday mornings together, um, and the, the candles and the testimonies and the, the songs of Advent, um, the senior adult party, the Mason Christmas party, that whole process, uh, just incredible, uh, lessons and carols. I mean, that was like such a, such a deep and rich highlight Christmas Eve. Um, even the, even the, the Advent offering, uh, this year, the, the total for that offering was $7,832 and 50 cents. Uh, that goes directly to help, uh, our children's home in, in India. Um, just the the generosity and the the unity of spirit that was there, and just felt like God just did some really just things that were just so 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 good. And then, kind of at the same time, like kind of holding hands with those really high highs. There's some there's just Advent's just hard, you know. Uh, part of it is that we're we're forcing kind of our way into thinking about the the parts of the kingdom uh, that are still working its way through our brokenness, you know. Like the fact that we have to have places like Mason Demi or Hope of Life, um, the the reality of of mental illness, the reality of homelessness and poverty, uh, the um, going through this the season of really from like Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas, it's like you find yourself missing those who have passed away, uh, and whether it's family members or friends and. Um, I know me personally, some of the most difficult losses I've been through happened during that December time. And so it's all affiliated there, you know, and, um, we went through, we lost one of our own this, this year, uh, due to a drug overdose. A few days later, I got to do a, a funeral for another young man who also, uh, overdosed, who has ties here to living hope. And, um, you know, just, just really heavy. And so it's, it's that that tension between those things, the, the fact that the kingdom is already here and active and so, there's so much goodness. And then there's that not yet part of it too. And coming out of that season, it was really, it was personally very hard. And I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of people can relate to that. And um, I come away from that stepping into like this new part of the year, uh, very much like reminded of how important the mission of the church is uh, that, you know, we, we sing that, that lyric during Christmas time, uh, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And to experience both the, the rejoicing of what Jesus brings, but also the weariness of the world, um, just reminded how relevant and important and crucial 
uh, us being us as the people of God is right now. And, you know, when when I was, uh, I told the early services, I talked about this at Brag on Jesus too, that like I'm, I've been 26 years in ministry at this point. And I remember as a, as a young pup, uh, beginning to dream about what ministry could look like as a vocation and planting a church together and with friends. Um, I remember like this deep conviction of like, you know, we're, we're not, when we talk about this and we, and we were talking about what we were going to do, which in one sense presented itself as planting a church, but really what we, what we were talking about was getting serious about what it means to be the people of God. Um, and whatever format that would take on, uh, we saw it as like, this is a, this is a movement. This is not a, it's not like a hobby. It's not like a, a project to work on. It's not just like, like something that we do. It's not a, a, one of the pie pieces in like what our lives are going to look like. Like this, like this is a transformative movement of God among us. Um, that's what God is doing. He's coming to a weary world and saying, hey, there's reason to rejoice. Um, and I remember in those conversations as a young guy, um, us as a group being afraid that we would at some point settle for less than that. You know, that we would relax into... Uh, kind of that like American dream kind of just comfortable church life where we where we were a part of a church and we had our like nice neat little programs and we went to church and we we did that whole thing and um, it it made us all feel good about ourselves right it made us feel like you know whatever but at the end of the day it was not transformative that was one of our fears is that we would settle for something less than being transformed into Christ-likeness, that that would be God moving among us and like literally changing us, and through that, changing our city and our world. Uh, I remember having those conversations of, like, how are we going to keep from selling out? You know? And I don't stand before you today saying, hey, guys, we've sold out or anything like that, so don't, don't, don't hear me saying what I'm not saying. Uh, what I am saying is that I think it's good to be reminded, oh, like especially at the outset of a year, of what we're here to do. And, and that a part of what Advent and Christmas do is they remind us of how important the mission is. Uh, in his sermon in Acts chapter 2, Peter is talking to them. He's presenting the good news of the gospel. He's pr- addressing this weary group who are like, have just witnessed this miracle, and they're like, what are we supposed to do with this? And he's telling them, he tells them exactly what to do with it. He says, look, this is for you, and it's for your children, and it's for those who are far off. Everybody that God is calling to himself, the gospel is for them. And... As the people of God, we, we, have, we have to have that full spectrum in mind. Our own, our own growth, like, our, our, like we are a community of faith that is like deepening our love for the Lord. And we're training up the next generation. And 
those who are far off, that we are going to them, that we are bringing them, we are extending Jesus' invitation to them, that we are saying, come, there's room at the table for everybody, literally everyone. Whether you're far off because you've never heard the gospel, or maybe you've just said no to the Lord, or maybe... Maybe you just walked away because you've been hurt or just burned or whatever it might be. That whether we're talking about us and our children or those who are far off, we have to see the mission as for everyone. So I want to look at a few verses in Micah at the beginning of the year to kind of get us like reminded in case we have forgotten. Um, we're going to go one verse at a time. I'll try not to be here too long, uh, but I, I've been off for two weeks, so I got a lot, got a lot of words pent up. Look at verse 1. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord, uh, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And it shall be lifted up above the hills, and the people shall flow to it. Okay, now, a couple, couple of different elements in there. You're talking about Old Testament, you're talking about prophecies, there's a lot of imagery. So let me, let me offer a few explanations of some of the terminology and stuff and then go back and look at it. First of all, um, whenever you're reading in the Old Testament, especially you should see this in the Psalms a lot, we'll talk about like the hills and the mountain and the, the mountains and those kinds of things. Um, a lot of times that is a reference to the worship of different idols. And so the surrounding nations, they would worship, uh, they worship the sun, the moon, the river, the crops, you know, they had all these fake gods that they would worship. And they would set up these altars on the tops of hills because they wanted, they wanted to make sure these gods could see them. And so it was very common to be traveling through Israel and you could see on the top of a hill or in the distance, that kind of thing, some sort of constructed man-made thing that people we're making sacrifices to, worshiping, and that kind of stuff. And so a part of what is being said here is, is referencing um, like what will happen to like, like those hills and mountains versus uh, Jerusalem, which was considered the mountain of God. And so the surrounding nations, they said, yeah, all the, these hills are for this God, and this is for this God, and this God, and this God. And Jerusalem, well, that's for the, the Hebrews. That's for the Yahweh. That's for their God. So that's part of what's going on. Second thing, says says in the latter days, this is going to happen. Now, the latter days uh, is referencing in these like Old Testament prophets. They're talking about the age of the Messiah, which would be from the first coming of Jesus to the second coming of Jesus. That stretch is the latter days. So, in other words, where we are right now, that's what Micah is saying. Um, and so we can we can see this not only as him like predicting something in their day, but speaking to what's going to happen when the Messiah is doing what the Messiah does. This is what will happen. And so let me offer some interpretation to the verse with those things in mind. Now look at it again. It shall come to pass in the latter days. Okay, so that's us right now. That the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest. Of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and the people shall flow to it. Okay, what is he saying? You got all these fake gods and all these fake mountains, but when the Messiah comes, you're gonna you're gonna see him as higher than all of those. 
In fact, you're going to see him as being really the only, he's the only God. Those are all false gods. But what he is saying is that's, that's a part of what happens when, when the Messiah shows up. You're going, to, you're going to realize that all those things are false and broken and dead and empty. And all those cisterns are busted. You're going to see because of who this God is that he is his ways are higher. His thoughts are greater. He is exalted above all of the created world. In the latter days, that's what's going to happen. All of these hills and mountains, you're going to see one emerge above them all, and it's going to be the hill, the mountain of the Lord. The exaltation of Jesus above everything else. So, in, so we're living in the fulfillment of this prophecy, and you and I are, we are the lifters of that name above all the other names. Like, creation does it, the Bible does it, but his chosen, like, mechanism to lift his name above all the other names is us. It's the people of God. It's, it's, it's the church. That's, that's who we are. That's what we are here to do. And so, when we gather together, in any configuration, that is our that is our primary reason. That is the why and the what. We are here to put him above everything else and to remind each other that he is above everything else. So when the people of God come together, whether that's one-on-one at a coffee shop, in a small group of friends, a small group, a small like community group, um, it could be at a men's gathering. It could be uh, at uh, here on a Sunday morning. It could be in the kids' community group or the youth community group. All of that which starts next week, by the way. Uh, all of those configurations. It doesn't really matter. What we're trying to do is put Jesus above everyone else and say, "Hey, does it, just in case anyone needed to, to be reminded, he's he's above this." Just in case you need to be reminded that 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 fear that you brought into the room today, Jesus is He's greater than that. That anxiety, that depression, or that those like emotions that seem to get away from you sometimes, Jesus is an authority over those. The circumstances that are burdening you. The, the mysteries that you're just not sure how this is going to ever work out and be good. He's, he's over, he's over that. Your worries about the world, whether it's COVID or political things, or, you know, here we are celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King this, this weekend, and it's, it, it's issues of racial restorative justice. Well, you, you bring your issue to the table and Jesus is above it. And that's, that's a part of what we get to do is remind each other of that. Or sometimes it's inform people of that for the very first time. That these things, these hills and mountains that seem to have such authority, they just don't. That Jesus is above all of it. Everything that's overwhelming us, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, Jesus is above it. And what does that what does that lead to? 
Well, this verse, it says, and the people, or peoples, I'm never really sure how to say that, to be honest with you. The peoples shall flow to it. Now, normally, you got a city on a hill, things don't flow up to that, right? They flow down to it. But this is like, no, uh, when Jesus is lifted high, like people are flowing to, to him. Jerusalem is the hub of God's activity, and people are wanting to be there. That's a part of what happens is there's this drawing, there's this attraction that is there, that, that when we are together, if we are lifting his name up, there is some, there's some kind of draw that we can't manufacture, you know? We can't, we can't create that. Probably all seen Field of Dreams, right? If you build it, they will come. Guy builds a baseball field in the middle of a bunch of corn, and it leads to the movie. I've honestly never seen it, so sorry about that. Sorry to break your hearts, but... But there is a mindset of that a little bit, right? That like, well, let's just build a church building. Let's get a nice bunch of nice programs, you know, and then people will people start coming to it. Like, no, that's 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 not the draw. The draw is the exaltation of Jesus above all else, and that's that's when people start to flow to Him. Look at the next verse. Like it gets it gets better. Verse 2, and many nations shall come. And they'll say, come, let, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and out of the word, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. See, this, this is what the movement of God looks like. The people of God exalt him above everything else, and there becomes this draw. It starts with God's own people wanting a deepening there. You ever been in an environment where there was just truly this this incredible exaltation of Jesus, and in that moment, you just want more. You just want more of him. And then with that, Come the nations. What does that? What does that even mean? You know? Part of what that means, and we see this throughout the scriptures, is that all of the little things that we use to divide up our society, all our little constructs, they begin to fade in terms of importance and divisions. That when Jesus is put in his proper place, we don't really care all that much what, what our skin color is. We don't care all that much how much money someone makes or where they live or where their kids go to school or who you voted for or if you're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. Like All of these like things that become these huge, big, divisive issues in our world, they just fade because Jesus is what matters here. So the nation, it says the nations will come and they'll say, uh, like, let us go. Let us learn. Let us become. 
And you know who's 100% on board with that? Jesus. He is all about it. In Revelation chapter 7, it says, says this. In terms of like forecasting heaven, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, they were standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. They said, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. When Jesus is exalted and he's in his proper place and he's over every person, place, thing, and idea that we could possibly come up with, there is this draw to the Lord And all those differences among us that are divisive, they fade away. And in a sense, it almost becomes beautiful. Like he doesn't say that that here in heaven gathered together are people that all look exactly the same, does he? It's not a bunch of clones. Then no, those those uniquenesses and stuff are still evident somehow. I don't know what that's going to look like. But what we as humans try to use to divide one another, I think God looks at this as like, look at this beautiful tapestry that's coming together. That yes, you may, all, you may look different, you may speak differently, you may have different backgrounds and different stories and different this and this and this and this and this, but every one of them is wearing a white robe. And every one of them is wearing a palm branch, which stands for victory and stands for peace. And they all have this one thing in common. They say salvation belongs to our, our God. Not your, not your God and your God and your God. But I, there's this collective sense of worship that's happening here. And there's, I bet there's none of us who would say, no, I don't really want to be a part of that church. I don't really want to be a part of a church like that. Of course, of course we do. And a part of what we have to be willing to do is, is to say, Jesus, I will, I will join you in doing whatever, whatever it takes so that anyone who walks into these doors or into my life will we'll, we'll have that sense of invitation from you. That they will walk into a life or into a room and everywhere in between uh, where Jesus is exalted and that draw, we're saying, like, I know exactly what you're drawn to. It's what I was drawn to as well. That's, that's where we're headed. That's part of what we have to be going for. We have to keep asking God to do that. To help us to heal from the divisions and the pain and all the stuff that's come with so much of human history. To heal from that and to walk in the kind of unity that's like, I don't care who you are, what you look like, or what you, I don't care about any of that stuff. Let's exalt Jesus together. Let's let his, his life like flow through us. Let's make sure everyone knows that they're loved and important and valuable. See, a part of that is that we have to, we got to kind of tell people, you know, like you can't just, this is not like an assumed kind of thing. This is not a subtle kind of thing. When someone lives a life where Jesus is exalted, like people know it. 
I'm not saying we have to be weirdos about it, but I'm saying like people need to know this about us. It's very, very important. I was reading a little bit. I wasn't supposed to read anything ministry-based on my break, but I did. And one of the things was talking about, it was an article that said, don't invite someone to church until you've invited them into your home. This was obviously clickbait, and it worked. I read the article and made some pretty good points. That's not just about bringing people to a church service. It's not about just bringing people to a program. It's, it's, a, it's about bringing people to the Lord through our own lives and through our own experiences. It's about us being the, the kind of people who, who are driven and passionate about this, this, very, this very subject. So I will... I will build my life around exalting him above all the other things. And as I am flowing to him, and as other people are flowing to him, as God brings the nations to himself, I'm a part of cultivating that and welcoming that. And if that means inviting someone to my home, that invites me, it means inviting someone to my small group, that means inviting someone to my church, I will do whatever it takes. If that's how God wants to bring them to himself, then let's, let's do it. And I'll adjust whatever my Sunday routines need to be. I'll, I'll bring them into an already crowded community group. It doesn't really matter. Like it's, there's just something more important going on here that together we are exalting Jesus over everything and making sure that everyone knows who he is. I think about Jesus putting us where he has put us in the city. We realize like we're in a zone here that's the most ethnically diverse part of Baton Rouge. It's it's incredible when you look at the demographics, who lives in a one mile radius of this building, and how many different nations and tribes and tongues are here. We have an opportunity to walk out this part of heaven now. But we got we got we gotta figure out how to do that, you know. But you know what the first step is? Exalting Jesus above everything else. If we're going to obsess over our divisions and all these different kinds of things in our world, if we're going to focus on that and if that's going to be what, what our church is known for is some political stance or some sort of um, like position on this issue and this, this issue and all this kind of stuff, if we're going to be known for those things and not for the exaltation of Jesus, then we need to just like, let's, let's tap out, let's give the building to somebody else. You know? But if we're going to exalt Jesus and then let him order things from there, he's going to show he's going to show us how to connect with the nations that live right here. We don't necessarily have to travel the world in order for the great commission that to all nations part of it to happen because God's brought them he's brought them all around here. Look at, look at verse 3. He shall judge between many people, peoples. I gotta figure that out. And decide for the for strong nations far away, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, 
neither shall they learn war anymore. Okay? Now, there's a lot to be said right there, but let's, let's make sure we're following the progression. Jesus above, is lifted above everything else. People begin to flow to him, including the nations, where there is not that division among everyone. There's this, this like unity of salvation belongs to our God. That is, that is what is happening. Um, and as that begins to settle into place, you know what stops happening? We stop trying to kill each other. We stop trying to fight each other. You get to the point where you're like, you know, we, we got a lot of gardens to plant. And we don't have a lot of shovels. So how about we like melt these guns down and make them into like shovels? That's what we need. And notice the, the wording, the end of verse 3. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Think about that. Kids have to be taught how to hate each other. We have to learn war. When you get to where, yep, that's not even a subject they teach in school anymore. Because there is a peace and a shalom that happens among us where we're like, you know what? When Jesus is in his proper place, I don't need to fight everybody. There is no power struggle. There is no hierarchy. There is, there is none of that kind of stuff because Jesus is where he needs to be and then everything goes into place. We don't have to learn war anymore. In verse 4, But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. See the trickle down? Not only is there not having to learn war anymore, we're, we're, we're so content that we're not even afraid of anything. What would it be like to not be afraid? What would it be like to say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. To be able to say that and to mean it deeply. That's, that's, that's what a movement of God does. He's exalted over everything. The people begin to flow to him. All of the nations, all of our divisions and all that kind of stuff ceases. There's peace among us and there's just nothing to even be afraid of. There's no one there to make them afraid. Because God has spoken. What a, what a beautiful prayer for your life and for our lives as the people of God. To say, God, would you bring us the people who are afraid and let us, let us tell them why they don't need to be. Bring us those who are fearful. We'll ask them to come sit underneath this fig tree vine thing. They'll watch us exalt you and they'll realize that's, that's why we're peaceful. That's why, that's why we're not afraid. Are, are, do we act in wisdom? Yes. Do we follow obediently to the Lord? Yes. Are there things we're not crazy about? Certainly. But we're not afraid. What a good word that would be for someone to to say of us. It's like, man, when I'm when I'm with this group, when I'm with this person, and everywhere in between, I'm just not I'm just not as afraid of the world 
There's something about being in close proximity to this Jesus-exalting believer that makes me like breathe easier, slows my heart rate down. Last verse. For all the people will walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. You know, the, the world we live in, like people, people are, they're going to chase those things down. They're going to go after those hills with those idols on them. They're going to go after those broken cisterns. They're, those things are going to happen. What I think this verse is saying is a lot of what I, I you might be familiar with what Joshua says when he's like, look, you, you choose who you're going to serve. best for me, my family. This, this, this is who we are. We're going to serve the Lord. I feel like there's like this push there for us to to say who who are we going to be to look around our lives and and um, Dallas Willard speaks in this, these terms of like like how we're we're all kings of our own little little kingdoms because there's certain certain things in your life where like what you say goes that's kind of what it means to be the king and then we have these little kingdoms and there's all these relationships and different things in there and so you look around your kingdom and. The challenge, like what we're trying to do is bring our little kingdom under submission to his big kingdom. But we look around our kingdom and we say, who, who are the people associated with, with like where I live? Who are the people associated with where I work? Who are the people associated with where I play? Who are the people associated with where I worship? And, and how, do my, like, how do my resources, my time, my money, my energy, my spiritual gifts, how, do, how can those things be used with those, those specific people? How can I exalt Christ above all else in a way that they know it? In a way that God can use to draw them to himself? I mean, sit down on a piece of paper and map it out. Like, you will not regret it. Because there are people in all of those different realms. There are people that you live with and that could be like in your same household, it could be in your neighborhood, it could be, you know, wherever. There are people that you are related to. There are people that you work with. Or if you're a business owner, there are people that you employ. Like they, they need what an opportunity. There are people where you're like there are people that your kids go to school with, the kids play play ball with, or in gymnastics or all the different things, all the activities that your kids are in. There's people in our own congregation. How, how are we exalting Christ above all else to the point where that whole progression of things happens? He's put in his proper place. People flow to him, no matter what they look like or where they're from, to where there's a peacefulness and a unity and in a like there where fear is vacuumed out and there's just this shalom that is there because Jesus is in his proper place how how are you going to be that person you got to make up your mind now i can say this in in 2022 i think this church i think will will have our most normal year uh to date hopefully and there's some stuff that's coming. I, 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 I could see us, I, I'm not, well, I guess I'm going on record, sort of, but like I could see us hiring more staff. 
this year. Um, I could see us, uh, like our, like elder board growing this year. Like we are some things are going to happen. I think we'll build out some more ministry teams. Um, there are things that are going to happen. And these, like all of these ideas are all a part of all those conversations. How are we going to exalt Jesus? How are we going to put him in his proper place and let these progressions like just take on natural life? And how do things like leadership and staff positions and teams and all this kind of stuff, how did that just fit into all that? Like, are we able to do all these things? We, we have to. There's too much at stake to do any other way. We cannot settle for less than the transformative power of God moving among us. It, it, it has to happen. Anything else, we're just, we're just playing church and none of us want that. None of us want that. And so those things happen at a, at a like church, in a church context, but it really begins with an, every individual in this room coming before the Lord and saying, who, who am I going to be? Who, who, am I, who am I going to be? That's in that verse 5. For all the people walks in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God today. Forever and ever. How are you? How are you going to do this? Choose this day who you will serve. You know, I think I think that's where we have to be, and we have to encourage each other and push one another in that process. Because the weary world is like here; it's around us, and we know the hope. We know we know where the rejoicing comes from. And so I, I hope that I hope these words in the scriptures push you and push me, and that we push one another. I'm excited about what's ahead. I think God has some challenging things in front of us, and so we know His heart. And I think He's saying, "Do you?" He's inviting us to join Him in it. What we'll say to Him, you know. So we're gonna we're gonna sing a little bit because that's what we do here, right? But it's really more of a it's more about processing what whatever may be stirring within you right now, and just giving you a little space to do that. Uh, the first song we're gonna sing though is uh, it's a it's a song of it's a repentance song, like it's a return to the Lord song. And that might be that might be one for you. Like you might be listening this morning and just being around things, and you're just like, I just need to. Confess some things to the Lord. I need to. I just need to get back right. You know. You may be here, and all this is like for the first time. You know. You may need to have a like, Lord, will you save me from my sins? Conversation with God. And if you do, I want to talk to you when we're done. We don't do like an altar call kind of thing around here very often, but that doesn't mean you need to leave here with any questions. So this could be for you, but but one of the things I love about songs like these is that you can also sing it on behalf of someone else. Like you, you may know someone who who needs that draw to the exalted Jesus. Maybe someone who said no, someone who used to say yes, but now they have just turned away for various reasons. You just may have someone on your heart. In other words. That these words, you could sing it on their behalf, sing it as a prophetic prayer, asking God to put these words in their hearts, whatever it is.
The promise of the Holy Spirit is for us and for our children and for those who are far off. And so as we sing and we just exalt the Lord for a few more minutes together, let's let him do what he does. Let's let this progression like unfold in front of us. So let's stand together and pray. Lord, I thank you for our friend Micah who wrote down some pretty bold words. You know, Thank you for making sure we had him in front of us. What an incredible picture of exaltation, of you drawing people to yourself, to your own kindness and goodness. What a picture of when you tell us to come to you if we're weary or heavy laden, that you'll give us rest. You invite us to take your yoke upon us and to learn from you. You Describe yourself as gentle and lowly in heart. And you offer to us rest for our souls. God, we want to say yes to that this morning, whether it's yes for ourselves or yes on behalf of someone else or maybe a mixture of those things. Would you help us in these closing moments to to think about what we're singing and what we're praying through song or maybe just to have some personal time with you. Maybe that's what's most needed. God, you've given us a physical space to meet in. You've given us time. And so that movement of your spirit among us, what we long for and what we want. So would you meet us where we are in these next few minutes? Have your way in this room and over the live stream. Maybe even people who are watching this later.